Hi everybody. Okay, after my last episode was a bit heavy on the hopefully not too boring regulatory side of things, I want to focus this episode on the critique of a more journalistic work. And then I want to continue chatting a bit about everybody's darling, and that is glyphosate, of course. Simply because there's an interesting new report out there. As it so often happens these days, it all started with a discussion on Twitter where somebody wasn't too happy with a video clip about glyphosate that was produced for the Austrian television by Timo Künzler, an Austrian journalist and farmer. I'll link to the video in the show notes. My apologies, the clip is in German, but I'll translate the important bits and pieces. However, if you're at least somewhat familiar with the German language and you're near a computer, you could head over to the video clip before continuing here. It's just six minutes long. I'll wait. Okay, after going through the clip, I have to admit that also I have several bones to pick uh, with Timo's work, mainly because I feel that it's heavily biased and sometimes almost painfully so. The clip does not only cherry-pick data and opinions, it also makes heavy use of false equivalencies and uses subtle or not so subtle images and comparisons in order to herd the viewer towards the inevitable conclusion that glyphosate is, well, as toxic as water basically. Okay, but allow me to unpack things one by one. First of all, there is a simple factual mistake at the beginning of the video. Roughly one minute into the clip, the narrator states that glyphosate inhibits the photosynthesis in plants, which therefore die. Which is of course simply wrong. Glyphosate inhibits the synthesis of aromatic amino acids and consequently the production of proteins, which then kills the plants. So yeah, of course that then also stops the photosynthesis, but the plants also stop respiring, they don't produce any flowers or seeds, etc. So the cause of death is the inhibition of amino acid synthesis, not the inhibition of photosynthesis. Anyway, that is only a factual mistake, but the narrator then continues to talk about glyphosate, the all-round talent, der Alleskönner in German, which is really hard to translate into English. But in any case, the word has a really positive connotation. Timo, the video clip's author, argued in our Twitter discussion that he only wanted to spice up the language by using that term. I'm honestly not entirely sure whether I really believe that a professional storyteller and wordsmith, so a professional journalist, is indeed so blissfully unaware of the praise that the word actually implies. Shortly afterwards, the clip presents several visuals of demonstrations against glyphosate. At least I guess that's where they are coming from. The visuals seem to be collected from various demonstrations. Those visuals and the ones that follow from the different US court cases suddenly turn black and white with heavy artificial vignetting. I assume that this is not supposed to be a critique of the recording techniques used a couple of years back, but more an attempt to visualize how antiquated all those activities are. Again, it's the attempt to use visuals to manipulate my subconsciousness that I find really annoying here. A good proportion of the video clip then explains the basic need to control weeds in agriculture and the advantages of no-till agriculture. And I'd certainly agree to the argumentation there. 
But the video clip completely uncritically assumes that glyphosate is the only option for no-till agriculture, ignoring that there are quite a few attempts on going to do no-till or at least low-till agriculture without glyphosate. Again, I'll provide some links in the show description. The clip mentions in passing that glyphosate is also used by private citizens in parks and I assume gardens etc. And it would certainly have been nice to have a couple of sentences here providing a perspective on that. I would still argue that pesticide use by private citizens in private gardens should simply be banned outright. One can simply not assume that non-trained amateurs are able to use adequate precautionary measures with hazardous chemicals. Those simply belong into the hands of professionals. Further towards the end, things really get out of hand. The clip employs the usual strategy to trivialize concerns by using false equivalencies. And of course, the dose dependency of risks seems to be an irresistible target. Even pure water is deadly if we drink too much, as the narrator prattles along in a tone that is fraught with significance. Seriously? The toxicity of water as a frame of reference for evaluating the carcinogenicity of glyphosate? Come on. Seriously, what's the dose of water that causes cancer? And how many people have died of a thirst for glyphosate? So is that really the level of debate that we're having now? Mm, sorry, but for me that is indeed a deeply deceptive equivalency, if I've ever seen one. And it continues. The rhetorical question, is glyphosate bad for biodiversity, is answered with, yeah, but so is plowing. And again, that's plain ridiculous, sorry. A fundamental shortcoming of the whole clip is that it does not even mention the fundamental difference between an exposure to glyphosate itself, say via food residues, and an exposure to glyphosate-containing products, say people working as farmers or spray operators. For me, there is a huge difference between the scenario in which people have been exposed to glyphosate-containing products with dozens of adjuvants, which of least some are known to be quite nasty, and the comparatively minuscule exposure to glyphosate via food, at least in Europe. I'm still not entirely sure how such video clips happen to happen. I mean, the clip is absolutely professionally produced by a professional journalist for a major TV outlet. So let's rule out that this is just a series of accidental slips. And the conspiracy theory that Timo Künzler is just a shill bought off by evil industry also doesn't strike me as very convincing. So, yeah. I'm certainly going out on a limb here, but I would speculate that Timo is indeed convinced, for whatever reason, that glyphosate needs public defending, and then builds the story coming from that angle. So it's a classic case of confirmation bias. Just as a reminder, allow me to quote that a confirmation bias is a type of cognitive bias that involves favoring information that confirms your previously existing beliefs or biases. And I think that's exactly what's happening here. Happily ignoring all conflicting evidence and voila, the world looks simpler, more ordered, easier to explain, and one has that fuzzy, warm feeling that the world confirms everything we knew all along.
We are all victims of our own confirmation biases. So perhaps the most problematic thing here is that there doesn't seem to have been a countercheck by somebody with an opposite bias before the clip went live. On a related note, the US Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry, which is a federal public health agency of the US Department of Health, has just published its draft toxicological profile for glyphosate. And it's asking for public feedback until the 8th of July. So if you're up for it. And there are a couple of things worth highlighting in that draft or from that draft. First, it mentions right at the beginning that commercial glyphosate-containing herbicides in the US contain between less than 1% and 94% glyphosate, which just demonstrates the huge diversity of products that we tend to summarize under the broad term glyphosate, and why it is so important to differentiate. Let's not forget, if between 6 and 99% of a product is made of non-glyphosate. That implies that a farmer will be handling and is potentially exposed to other chemicals, which, as we know, for example, from the polyethoxylated telloamines, surfactants that are added to a range of glyphosate-containing herbicides, can be actually quite nasty chemicals in and of themselves. Not to mention that all those chemicals might influence each other's toxicity. Also, the US report is sort of capitulating to that complexity. It simply states, and I quote, a summary figure of sensitive targets to glyphosate-containing herbicide formulations is not included in this toxicological profile because formulations were not equivalent across studies and other ingredients may have influenced the observed effects. Maybe the most contentious issue is, of course, the question on glyphosate's carcinogenicity, or lack thereof. In that respect, figure 2.4 of the report is quite interesting, which is a bit hard to show in a podcast, I have to admit, but please feel free to check the report itself, where you can find the figure on page 86. The figure is quite interesting because it shows that several recent meta-analyses concluded that there is indeed a risk for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma relative to self-reported glyphosate use or exposure. And that is also confirmed by a very recent study by Tsang et al. from the University of California, Berkeley. Of course, given that those studies are based on self-reporting, one can always emphasize that this database is somewhat shaky. And it is. But nevertheless, a pattern seems to be emerging here. But let's not forget that we are talking about occupational exposures to glyphosate-containing products here, which are, as pointed out earlier, quite complex and contain a lot of other far less well-researched chemicals. The report derives a minimum risk level for chronic glyphosate exposure via food of 1 mg per kilogram body weight and day, based on a study in rabbits where the critical effect, that is the most sensitive effect, was an inflammation of the inner lining of the gullet. This corresponds roughly with the current European acceptable daily intake of half a milligram per kilogram body weight and day. Actual exposure of European citizens does not exceed roughly 2% of this acceptable daily intake, so 1 50th of the acceptable daily intake. That is according to a paper published in 2016 by the so-called Glyphosate Task Force, which is of course uh, an authorship that is fraught with massive potential conflicts of interest. 
but it does not invalidate the estimates per se. I haven't seen any different intake estimates in other papers, so please let me know if you are aware of a study by authors that are less potentially biased. EFSA, the European Food Safety Authority, concluded that the exposure to glyphosate for a Dutch adult is around 3% of the acceptable daily intake, up to 10% if one looks at a short time interval. But so far it looks as if glyphosate residues in the European diet are actually quite safe. Unless, unless we consider that everybody is not only exposed to glyphosate, but also to dozens or even hundreds of other pesticides, veterinary drugs, chemicals from various consumer products, indoor air pollution, outdoor air pollution, chemicals in drinking water, food contact materials, etc. etc. I mean, if already the exposure to glyphosate alone can reach 2 to 3% or even up to 10% of the acceptable daily intake, what is the total risk if we consider that several hundred pesticides are being used for food production in Europe and each one also occupies just a similar 2 to 3% of the total tolerance that a body has towards hazardous chemicals? The old Chinese proverb of the death by a thousand paper cuts comes to mind here. So again, it's the complexity of chemical exposure that poses the big challenge. Looking at the enormous attention that has been paid to glyphosate alone, and because I would argue that glyphosate is far less problematic than a broad range of other chemicals in everyday use, it will be interesting to start discussing the broader implications of the overall glyphosate debate on pesticide and chemical use in general, and to take a closer look at the so-called cocktail effect that is the risk of complex chemical exposures. But that's something for another episode of the podcast. So that's it for now. Thanks for listening and talk to you later.